Hey guys, welcome to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Diana Lee. I spent years steeped in diet culture, obsessively weighing, measuring, and tracking my food. In 2019, I ditched macro tracking for good, and now I've made it my mission to help you swap diets for real food freedom. It's time to unfuck your mindset and stop letting food control you. Let's dive in. For those of you who don't know, I've struggled with back pain since I was a kid. I developed a hyperextended curve in my lumbar spine due to competitive gymnastics. There was no point of injury, a moment that I felt pain from a direct cause. Instead, it was a slow and steady onset, and being in a competitive atmosphere, I was taught to ignore the pain and train through it. This mindset was something I carried with me as I got into weightlifting, running, and CrossFit. I ignored my pain and continued to train until finally I couldn't anymore. Last year, I hit my rock bottom when I couldn't even squat without feeling pain shooting from my low back down into my hamstring. I finally reached out for help, and that's how I began working with my coach and today's guest, David Sluss. David is the co-owner of the California-based CrossFit gym known as Bear Republic. He was also a competitive CrossFitter, ranking 20th in the men's team division at the California Regionals in 2016 and ranking 10th in the team division at the 2018 West Regionals. As a competitor, David also trained through pain until he finally got diagnosed in 2018. Facing a serious injury, he set out on a path to learn how to eliminate his pain so he could get back to doing what he loved. In this episode, David and I talk about what mistakes led us to a rock bottom with our injuries, the common mindset struggles people face when they go through injury, and how our experience with pain has transformed how we look at fitness for ourselves and the people that we coach. This episode is enlightening for anyone who exercises regularly and wants to continue to do so long into the future. My hope is you can learn about the importance of injury prevention and taking injuries seriously so you don't make the same mistakes that David and I made. Let's get into it. To kick us off, I'd love if you could share more about you and your background and what you do. I currently own and operate Barra Public CrossFit San Diego, also doing my own personal business, which is helping people rehab their injuries and then also remote programming for personal training, CrossFit stuff. But the big focus lately has been helping people get out of pain. I am one of those people. (laughs) So when I met you, I had learned that you had chronic back pain and you and I kind of actually connected over that because we were both dealing with our own back pain. But I would see you in my CrossFit gym doing your own programming, your own weird exercises that I always thought were super hyper-specific, but it always interested me. We would chat about it. And really, I never knew what your backstory was. I knew that you had pain, but I didn't know how your pain came to be. So what exactly happened? I think at that point, I was kind of over a year into having some serious, like debilitating pain going on. And I had already been through like the whole ringer of fighting and trying to work around it for so long, but it started. So I was doing the the competitive CrossFit thing. And right after the last competition I did, I had some weirdness going on in my back. And it was like, it was holding me back from some of the stuff that I was trying to do in my training, but 
I was in that mindset of work around it. The like classic don't lose my fitness thing, which is, as we know, pretty unhealthy and kind of like a downward spiral that a lot of people get into. Didn't have a specific injury, but after this competition, I had some stuff going on and I just kept working around it and it kept getting worse. And I was able, I was less able, you know, I was doing less and less stuff and I could work around it less and less. And then eventually I couldn't do anything. I could barely walk. And I was in this really vulnerable state, got some imaging done, got an MRI. Turned out I had two herniated discs going on in my L4, L5, and then my L5, S1. So like the lumbar region of the spine where most people are getting herniated and bulging discs. One of them, the imaging doctor described as massive. So that kind of freaks me out. I had a seven millimeter herniation in L4, L5 and a five millimeter herniation in L5, S1. And that seven millimeter one was compressing nerve root. So I had sciatic nerve pain going from my left hip all the way down into my toes on my left leg. And that got like really bad, so bad that it was hard to do my normal day-to-day stuff. I actually never got a clear diagnosis, right? I did the MRIs, the CAT scans. I saw various doctors throughout my entire experience with back pain. And that was super frustrating to not have a diagnosis. So for you, did you find that having a diagnosis still gave you a clear treatment path or did it take a bit to figure out what that would look like? Because I feel like back injuries are just a struggle to find out what's really going to work. Totally on that. It is, it is a struggle, you know, there's no really like resource to get a clear direction on where you should go. Some people, when they say you have that sciatica that you need to get a surgery. And for me, that sounded terrible. So the diagnosis, it confirmed kind of what I thought was going on, but it definitely did not help as far as where to go from there. Right. What did you end up trying first? What was your first route to go with trying to heal this? So it was all basically trial and error. I was seeing a chiropractor who was very knowledgeable, which was pretty helpful. That being said, where I was at with my pain and stuff, I I couldn't be worked on by a chiropractor. Like there was nothing that, there was no manual therapy that was going to make it better. It it was like, try to get rid of the pain, right? So start off with a lot of ibuprofen and then got epidural cortisone shot. That was supposed to help with the pain. Didn't do a whole lot. Got PRP shot. And these are all like pretty expensive. What is that? PRP is platelet-rich plasma. They take your own blood out of your body, spin it in a centrifuge, separate the nutrient-rich plasma from the blood, and then re-inject it into the injury site. And that was $3,000. And I got very, very little relief from that it didn't do a whole lot but you know I'm sure you can relate there's this this disparity to the back pain you're like I'm I'm gonna try anything I'm in pain so I got went through like the whole thing of shots got the cortisone shot didn't get a lot got that really expensive PRP shot didn't get a lot from that so then it's like all right either I'm going to figure this out or I'm gonna have to get a surgery for me the thought of somebody cutting open my back and digging around in there 
didn't sound like a good idea. That sounded like the last, my last resort. Yeah. I think surgery is the last resort for a lot of people. Thankfully that never crossed my path, but part of that was because I didn't have a clear diagnosis to, you know, surgically go in on, but most people want to avoid that. As they should. Looking back, obviously I would have taken some other steps, but I think most people can get out of their pain without a surgery, unless there's, you know, some broken bones in there or something like that. Like if you have a disc issue, and of course I'm not a doctor, but I think most people with disc issues can get themselves out of pain with some, some hard work. So you went down the hard work route. How did you end up finding what did work for you? And what did that look like? I was out of commission. Obviously I wasn't doing a whole lot of fitness, but I was reading quite a bit and I was looking into you know specialists on low backs i found a couple really good resources one was dr stuart mcgill he's got a couple really great books on low backs he's got one called the gift of injury which i bought in red he's got one called the back mechanic which i also purchased in red and then he's got another one that i cannot remember the name off the top of my head but i bought all three of those starting reading those He's a professor, but all he does all day is look at the mechanics of the spine, look at the injury mechanics and work on getting very high level athletes out of pain. Most of them with disc issues or broken backs and like that. So he was a really cool resource. Looked into another guy named Andrew Locke, who's an Australian doctor. Similar thing. He studied under Stuart McGill, purchased a couple of his books, and I just was reading none of those books really gave me like a clear cut plan for how to get out of it. But I learned quite a bit about what was going on within the anatomy of the back, what's going wrong, and then how long it's going to take basically, but not exactly how to get there. So I went to a company called Active Life. And I worked with this guy, Dr. Ryan Summers, and I worked with him for about six months. And all this, this is about a year into my back pain, right? Started having some back pain going on end of 2018, got the imaging done, and then basically got all those shots, kind of sitting, laying low, reading for about a year, and then eventually started working with Ryan Summers. Worked with him remote one-on-one for six months, and then started to get a little bit of progress. And of course, I'm a coach and I'm looking at everything under a microscope. And when I felt like I had a grasp on kind of what was going on, I just took over and started working on it on my own. How long did you say you did work directly with a coach before you went off on your own? About eight months. I was working with them for a while. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty solid. I've been working with you. We're almost at our one year mark, right? We're like two weeks away. Yeah, yeah. Two weeks away. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm the type of person who I like when other people program for me. I do a lot better when people tell me what to do. And I love offloading that aspect of my life because then I can just show up to the gym and know exactly (laughs) what to do. And so I'm more than happy to just have you continue doing my programming. But that's great that you also then, you know, you really dove into things and kind of took that responsibility over and learned so much from books and things like that. I feel like with my back pain, I accepted it. I had had back pain since I was a kid and it was just part of my life and no one could tell me what was wrong. I was jumping from PT to chiropractor to PT to chiropractor. And I was like, well, this is it. (laughs) This is just the, the cards I've been dealt. 
yeah, it's really frustrating and it's really tough. And, you know, I think everybody could use a little bit of guidance. We have people out there that want to help and you got to seek these people out and they're out there, you know, he's got to find the right one. Yeah, for sure. Any tips on finding someone who can help with pain? Cause I feel like, so both of us are CrossFit coaches and we see our fair share of injuries and these injuries are usually not they're not someone breaking a bone half the time. It's somebody going, oh, my shoulder is nagging me, you know, or I've got this knee pain when I run. It's all these little things that we can't directly diagnose. So if you were to guide somebody on, if you're having pain, what kind of resources would you recommend going to? How would you start that process? What route would you go? I think it kind of depends on how much pain that person is dealing with. I think for back pain, Step one is to see a physio. If you have some severe stuff going on, to probably get some imaging done just to have an idea. I think most people, I think a lot of people have a hard time accepting that they're in control of their bodies, you know, that we are in control of our bodies and that it really starts with our lifestyle. I think you can relate and I can relate that when you're in pain, there's a part of your lifestyle that's contributing to that pain and that you can't just keep doing what you're doing there has to be a change somewhere right there has you have to change something and if you just keep doing what you're doing it's either going to get worse or it's going to stay right where it's at it's not going to get better I think that's like the first step is that right what do I have to change to get out of this what do I need to change whether it's temporary or it's forever what do I need to do differently to to make this go away I agree with you that a lot of people don't make that shift, right? Because if we make that shift, we have to admit to potentially needing to step back from training. And a lot of people are not willing to do that. They're so afraid to stop training to deal with an injury because of potential progress that they might lose. You kind of mentioned that early on, that that was definitely a mental fear for you. How did that impact you ultimately getting help? Your pain was so severe that it impacted you on a day-to-day basis, but were you pushing it off for a while and just kind of ignoring it and training through it? Yes. If you're into CrossFit, especially if you're into fitness, if you're into anything where you're pushing your body, you develop a pain tolerance, like a higher pain tolerance than the general population. And I think that can actually be detrimental because you have this high pain tolerance that you've developed and then you're basically making yourself worse, right? I totally have that going on. And I had this competitive mindset of every day that I wasn't training, I was losing fitness, which looking back is not true at all, but that was the mindset. So I, I definitely didn't need to be in pain for as long as I was. It was this continuous working around it, never accepting what was going on until I had to. But I think that if I could put any type of advice out there to people, it's like, don't put it off until you have to accept it early and your recovery will be significantly quicker than if, if you're put down, right? (laughs) At a certain point, your body's like, I'm done. And that's basically what pain is, is pain is your body telling you something is wrong, that you're doing something wrong, that something is not right. And that something needs to change. If I could go back, I probably would have started reeling it way back way sooner and I probably would have been a lot 
healthier because of it. That being said, I gained a lot as far as me being a coach from it. I think mindset is super important with everything, but I think with an injury, especially mindset is important where you're like, Hey, how am I going to make this a positive? It feels like a negative. It's terrible. I'm sad. I'm bummed out. I'm depressed. I can't do what I love to do. What's the positive here? You know, I think that's so important. I did the same thing. I, I mean, I trained for years through my pain and I just was like, this is life. It is what it is. And when I finally reached out to you was the day I, I was trying to squat and I couldn't even squat without pain. And that was super abnormal. Usually it was deadlifts or, you know, the usual suspects that you would think. And finally I was squatting one day in the gym and I was at just a typical gym where I had a mirror and I could physically see that my body was crooked and things were not feeling good. And I was like, you know, if I can't even squat and do a basic exercise, then there's no point in continuing to push this anymore. Screw it. And that's when I really reached out to you and I was like, Hey, who can help me? You know, I had heard you talk about active life and you're like, actually I can help you. That's ultimately what got us there. I feel like my pain has also transformed me as a coach. And I definitely take pain a lot more seriously. And I notice as a CrossFit coach, I feel like a lot of CrossFitters don't take pain seriously. How has your experience transformed how you coach your members at your gym? It's definitely changed my outlook on how much volume I prescribe for the members in my gym, how much volume I prescribe for my remote clients, checking in with how people are feeling. Every person is an individual. And I think in the crossover world and in the strength and conditioning world, a lot of times there's these cookie cutter programs where it's like, hey, this is what's on the menu, do it. And I think in these group environments, people feel like if they're not doing what's on the menu, they're not getting fit or they're not making progress. Every person I look at as an individual and I want to check in, how are you, where are you at today? What's going on today? How are we going to do this so that you're able to progress and not have this downfall where before I think I was in that cookie cutter mindset. I was like, Hey, this is what we're doing scale as needed, but not really checking in as much with people on like an individual level. Also the mindset of that pushing your, like you push yourself. So you want to push others. And so you give them what you would expect to be taken in the CrossFit world. It's that go hard or go home kind of complex. And you offload that as a coach to your members. That's something that I learned as a coach was that I lead by example. And then that also impacts how I coach people. And so if I adopt this, Hey, you can push yourself within reason kind of mindset and taking it day by day, listening to your body and actually knowing how to talk about that with other people. It helps so much more to convey those messages. Yes, absolutely. Being completely honest, most people that are doing some of the stuff that we're asking them to do, their body's not really ready for it yet. And it takes some time to get their body ready for that. It's talking to people and helping them understand that whatever I'm prescribing for you is for like a long-term goal. And it's so hard to get out of like the daily mindset of, hey, I'm here today. I want to go as hard as I can today. But you know, if your shoulder does not do shoulder things, <laughs> is going to and you're going to have pain if I can't reach my hand overhead and my low back is compensating to get that hand overhead when I do a hundred reps of something overhead my low back's going to hurt and the more you do that the more that low back is going to hurt and guess what the shoulder hasn't gotten any better at doing any shoulder things you know so you basically don't have a shoulder 
my low back is not a shoulder. My low back is a low back. And now my low back hurts because my low back is trying to be my shoulder. And I, I know it sounds kind of silly, but that's <laughs> literally happening every day inside of gyms all around the world. And like these people are, are having these compensations in joints that are certain joints are trying to do things that they are not meant to do. And of course we're in pain. And then on top of that, we're going to work, we're sitting, we're driving, we're doing these things. The reality is, is it takes mm-hmm. a lot of energy into our own bodies to make them work well. And where we're at in the world and society is not necessarily helping us with that. So we're already kind of working uphill with, with life in general. So it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of awareness and, you know, it takes some guidance and that's why you and I are here. That's what, that's what we do every day is we're guiding people into that understanding. The irony of you talking about how our lifestyles now don't help with that. Like I literally got shoulder pain from switching to a desk job. I didn't have a distinct injury. And then one day in training, I was like, dude, I, I can't use my shoulder anymore. And we had to totally pull back on all overhead movements. And when I finally saw the massage therapist that you referred me to, she was like, your posture sucks. (laughs) You're probably the way that you sit at a desk, the way you drive your car. All of that is just bringing your shoulders forward. Now putting it into basically a pinched position where it can't operate properly. And I didn't know that at the time. And it, at some point, how we treat our bodies, how we sit, how we stand, how we do all these things ultimately is going to come out at some point. It's a matter of when that happens and whether or not we're pushing our bodies into that direction. Absolutely. And you know, the harder you're going in the gym, the quicker that you realize you're doing something wrong. Right. For you, when you were a competitor, did you focus a lot on mobility and basically avoiding injury, prepping your body properly for that? Or was that not on your radar even at that time? It was definitely there because I had had back troubles in the past, but I wasn't as knowledgeable. So what I was doing wasn't really enough. And it's with the competitive style training, there's so much training, there's so much volume, and I was always under recovered. So props to people that can do that and that can survive it. As I mature, the thought of being competitor ready all year round is such a silly thought. But that was my mindset back then was that I have to be a tip top physical ready to go at any moment. And it's like, no, in reality, these things need to be sectioned off throughout the year. There's nothing wrong with having downtime. There's nothing wrong with having times when you're less quote unquote fit, you're less conditioned. There's times where you should be more conditioned. But I think a lot of folks in that competitor mindset is that they're always trying to be at the highest level. And I think for, for most of us, that's not realistic. But I think for most of us, the, the longer you're holding that, and I've seen some stuff that you talk about where there's this kind of like addictive mindset to like the fitness thing. And it's really easy to fall into that trap. And then eventually something's going wrong, whether it's with your nutrition or with pain or with whatever it may be. It's from that hyper competitive, hyper wanting to be at the highest level. And it's just not, it's not realistic, right? We're going to have ups and downs. There needs to be a plan, not just be competitive all the time, not just be the best all the time. So yeah, I think that competitive mindset for me was definitely not the healthiest thing. I do think a lot of people, even outside of CrossFit, don't appreciate the seasons or even just cyclical training. I definitely fell into that pit where when I drank the CrossFit Kool-Aid, I chugged it. I was 
basically all in once I was there. And at that point, you start to look at all the crazy things that people are doing. You're like, I want to be good at everything. Right. And I'm the type of person I want to be good now. (laughs) I don't want to have to wait to develop those skills. So I was just adding more and more training because I wanted to work on everything all at once. And now as somebody who trains and somebody who also trains others and creates programs, I have an appreciation for deload weeks and for pulling back your intensity sometimes. And I think also appreciating that whenever I would have flare-ups, right? Like if I had flare-ups, we would do a flare-up protocol and my workouts would not be workouts. They would be super easy. I would be doing very low key activity. And I was just at the moment thankful to continue to be moving even in pain. I've created this appreciation for more cyclical training and acknowledging that it's not always going to be this linear progression of just improving all the time. Yeah, I think you nailed it. And I I feel exactly the same where like, that stuff I'm, I'm looking at now, and I'm building around those deload weeks and making sure that they're in there where before that wasn't even on the radar. It was just go, go, go. But I think that, like you just mentioned, it comes from maturing as a coach when you're writing for people. And it comes as maturing as an athlete when, or an exercise or whatever you may call yourself, as you become more mature, you realize that this is part of the game. Rest is part of the game and deloading and backing off has to be a part of it to continue to progress. Otherwise there's going to be this drop off. How often do you train now? How often do you rest? How often do you deload? How do you integrate that? Is it structured? Is it not? For my personal stuff, deload every fourth week. The way that I kind of do my programming now is I'll do whatever my focus is on. I'll do a base week. I'll do a build week where I kind of add some volume. I'll do like an overreaching week where I really go hard. And then the following week I will deload. So it builds for three, deloads for the fourth. And then it starts over and my body's been feeling pretty good on that. So I'm going to stick with that for a while, I think. Are you completely pain-free now or do you still deal with flare-ups? What's your status with your injury? It's pretty good. It's, it's basically pain-free. Had a little tweak in January this year, doing some heavy lifting. I do remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing some, I was actually deadlifting on a trap bar doing some high volume, heavy stuff and had a little tweak going on. That took a couple of weeks to kind of reel back. Freaked me out quite a bit. I was like, oh, it was going to be another two years, but yeah. I kind of have like a protocol that same thing that we do when you have a little flare up, I know what to do and how to approach it. So it took a week or two and then started feeling good again. And yeah, I've been, been really good. My, my thing was my sciatica. So it was just all down my leg. It was like this really searing nerve pain. Thank goodness it hasn't come back, you know, but a lot of things have changed in what I'm doing. Honestly, that was always the worst part was the shooting down the legs because then I couldn't bend over properly. I couldn't move properly and it just hurt to do anything. And it was always like, you know, it's coming from the back, but the pain is really just actually in the leg a lot of the time. And that's where you get that. Like you mentioned when you're squatting that, like twisting Mm -hmm. your body away from that pain you look like you're hobbling around and it's like just trying to get how am I going to contort my body so I don't have that nerve pain I couldn't even raise my voice like I was coaching classes and I couldn't because when I raised my voice like I would get a little zinger down my leg wow really yeah it was bad oh 
Yeah, I know you were in you were in a ton of pain. I think yours definitely exceeded mine. I don't envy you. So that's wild. I haven't heard that. That was not something I dealt with, but thankfully. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. but oh, you know, like there's levels to this stuff and it, yeah. it, I don't think it really matters what level you're at. There's ways to get out of it. Everybody can get out of back pain. It's, back pain is not this thing that, and you, you get it, right? There's right. like a point our lives when we're dealing with it we're like shit this is it this is my life now but it doesn't have to be like that you have to be patient to get to a point where it's not that but it does not have to be pain in fact it shouldn't be like that I don't think we should accept pain in any in any joint in our body love that but I think patience is the key which a lot of us don't have right it's that mindset that we go back to of well I don't want to lose progress in training and whatnot. And I know for me, my turning point was when I said to you, I'm going to commit full heartedly for at minimum one year of rehabbing because by setting kind of like a, I I set a light at the end of the tunnel for myself. And I knew that there was a possibility that I wouldn't be completely pain-free or healed within a year. I knew I wasn't setting a complete end date but I was setting a minimum for myself of, okay, let's commit to rehabbing for one year. I think that mindset shift helped me commit to the process a lot more because I just accepted at that point. I was like, this is my life. I will do whatever my coach tells me. I'm going to ride these waves and we're going to see what happens in one year. So I don't know if for you, did you have a mindset shift when you finally committed to healing that really helped you stick with it? Yeah, it was similar. I definitely committed. I said I was going to do at least six months with the active life people. For me, it it was just like, it's going to take as long as it takes. And it was like, I'm going to get out of this. This is not going to be my life. There was no expectation on when I was going to be completely healed. I was going to do this six months. And then I was going to kind of reassess from there. Honestly, that's what it takes. Like all this stuff takes time. And like you said before, it's really hard for a lot of us to accept that because we want we want it now we want to feel better now it sucks now like get me out of this but it just takes time that's how our bodies work there's no way around it it really is that i want it now situation it really does suck when you're in it especially when you're in a lot of pain and it's limiting your daily activities it's really hard mentally to push through and even consider that life can be different ahead if you just stick with the plan stick with the program and don't veer from it yeah I think one of the big morals of the story is that mindset is so important in injury rehab or in any type of like rehabilitation process you have to have that mindset you have to have this acceptance of it's going to take time acceptance of I need help with this potentially or I need I need a little bit of guidance if you don't have that it's going to be really really hard to get better Yeah. I think guidance is huge. I I feel like we just live in a society now where we don't, we don't go to the doctor. (laughs) If something's wrong, we don't get it checked out. We're like, this is, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And then when it comes time to get help, we're so slow to do it. And I'm now the type of coach who's very persistent. If I'm coaching somebody that's been expressing pain to me for a couple weeks, I will keep asking, well, have you done anything about it? Have you gone to see somebody? what are you doing? And a lot of times they're like, no, I haven't yet. I'm just kind of waiting for it to resolve on its own. And I get that pain can sometimes resolve on its own, 
but at its core, the pain happened for a reason. And you have to find out why, otherwise the pain is going to keep coming back. It, it's not just going to go away and everything's going to be fine. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if, if you don't have a traumatic injury, right, if you don't have this open wound, if, if you're getting pain signals somewhere, that's your, that's your nervous system and your brain talking to you, ignoring it is one of the worst things you can do. And I think we can both attest that we've done that and it didn't, didn't out for us, you know, no good. (laughs) That's us now is to help, help people understand that ignoring it is not the move as tempting as that may be maybe it worked when you were in the past when you're a little kid but that's not how it is when we're grown-ups if something hurts your body's telling you to change something your body's telling you to to do something about it yeah when you reach your 30s you can't you can't fuck around with that anymore your body just doesn't operate the same it doesn't bounce back that's the thing is like as we get older you have to dedicate a little bit more time and you have to be a little bit more aware of what's going on with you. And I think it, it, it would be really cool for, it would be cool for society to make that a priority, but until that happens, it's on the individuals to make that a priority to understand what's going on in our, in our meat wagon. Right. Mm-hmm. But literally what we are is we're, you know, we have, stuff, wagon. we have stuff holding us together. And if that stuff that's holding us together, isn't working right we're going to have pain. If I'm not moving my body through certain ranges of motion, and then all of a sudden I'm going to get into fitness and I'm going to demand these ranges of motion that I do not have, what do I think is going to happen? Right. When we talk about range of motion, what do you recommend for people as far as stretching, mobility? How much time would you say people should be really dedicating to things that help increase range of motion and improve that? I think that it should be a priority for everybody, but I think different, definitely different levels. When I think of stretching, I think of like a passive range of motion where I can go, where can I put myself? If I'm thinking about an athlete or somebody that's going to exercise, do CrossFit, lift weights, I also want to think about what is my active range of motion. It doesn't matter if I can do a split, if I don't have any strength in that split. If all I'm doing is doing split, it's like a party trick. That's great. But if I'm going to have any type of load or any type of impact on my body in that split, the passive range of motion is not going to be enough. I have to have some active strength. So that's where that functional range stuff comes in that I've been having you do all right. like the those kind of developing some strength. Shout out to functional range conditioning was pretty helpful recently for me to kind of maintain pain-free. And that's Dr. Andrea Ospina super badass genius nice. that created a whole system on basically how to improve the health of our joints. And that's something that I program for you. And that's something that I do for myself every day. So you usually do that pre-workout the same way that you do my programming. Yep. Exactly. Like you do. I, yep. Exactly how I have you do it. I love it. Cause it's a great way to just warm up in general. And it feels like a way more intentional warm up then oh hop on a treadmill for 20 minutes and get your body warm no you're actually priming your body for the exercises you're about to do yeah and there's like a self-assessment component in there too where when i'm when i'm working through each joint individually it's like hey how does this feel today you mm-hmm. know if it's great i'm probably not gonna load it as much as i may have planned if the programming says shoulders and i'm warming up and i'm doing my shoulder stuff and it doesn't feel great i'm probably gonna back off of that a little bit you right. know i don't 
twice about it. I'm just going to back it off for that day. Hopefully next time I do my shows, it feels better. But there's that self-assessment where I already know how that joint or whatever I'm kind of looking at is feeling before I jump into training it. And it takes a lot of maturity to recognize that something's not feeling good and change gears. Because a lot of times you'll get hyped up and so excited to hit a certain lift or just get a good workout in the gym. And then you get in there and things are not going well. And you have to make that decision to either you push through it or you pull back. And I've definitely learned, Hey, it's, it's not worth it. You know, I talk to people who have pain in class and they'll be like, Oh, I'm just going to do it until it hurts. (laughs) That's, that's when, you know, you've already gone too far. Like that's not really a, a good way to test it. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the mindset though, is I'm going to do it until it hurts. And like you said, at that point, it's kind of too late, right? Probably not getting a whole lot of that exercise anymore anyway, because you're just working pain. It's really tough in our space, in the CrossFit space. It's really tough to, to, to coach people out of that mindset. I'm working on that every day. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And I think, I think as, as we do it more, we're going to get better and better at it. And people are going to start to understand. And for me too, it's crazy. Example is Olympic weightlifting. When I was doing competitive thing, I was snatching probably three or four times a week. Now I snatch once a week and I'm just as strong as I was before and potentially going to be a little bit stronger. This mindset of more, more, more work through, like it's like a belief that we kind of make up or that we pull from, we pull from our, our belief system, but it's not even real. Right. Have you found anything that's worked or really gotten through to people when you do try to convey the, the priority of like your body's well-being over going hard in a workout? Seeing is believing. A lot of times if somebody has some pain going on, I'm at a point now where I can usually assess at least close to kind of what's going on. I'll put them through some type of joint circle or joint movement and I'll show them, be like, Hey, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. And they're like, Oh shit. They have this aha moment where it's like, they have some pain in their leg or their back. And I'm like, all right, let's take a look. We do a quick assessment on what their hip or what their ankle or what their knee is doing. And it, something doesn't feel good or they, it, it has pain or it's not moving right. It's like, look, like this is what we need to work on. And this is going to take time. And this is how are you going to do it? Hire me. Hire me. I'll help you out. But a lot of times I think it's like, for us, seeing is believing. For me, it's just showing people now. In my space, it's the same couple joints. It's your shoulder. It's your lumbar spine. It's your hips and it's your ankles for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, a lot of it's all connected for sure too. Like my, most of my hip problems stem from my back issues. And then that all shoots down into like, I had knee pain and my knee pain really stemmed from my back issues, my hip issues. It's all connected in some way. Absolutely. It's all in there. And then the shoulder and the neck thing, right? People have this oh, neck. Yeah. And then we show them that their shoulders don't move, right? We show them that their shoulders can't do basic shoulder stuff. It's like, hey, let's, let's work on that. And let's see how your neck feels in a couple of weeks. But you said it's all connected. And it's really comes down to like appreciating that that we have this one shot with this thing. And it's crazy. Like when you're going to learn how to drive a car, you got to take a test. When you're going to like 
shoot a gun. You got to take a test. We get our body. There's no test. There's no guidance. You have to seek that out. In CrossFit, we do our fundamentals and stuff. But a lot of times we're putting people under a barbell or like in life. Hopefully they find CrossFit. But in life, if somebody's out in the gym, they're, they're looking at the internet and they're going and doing stuff that they see without right. really knowing what their body is doing or what it's supposed to do. Guidance thing. You got to you got to find the experts that are going to help you. You got to check your, <laughs> check your ego. <laughs> find yeah. Show you, you know, what isn't working on your body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why I've always liked working with a coach. I like having somebody that I can go to, to ask questions. For me, rehabbing my back was, it was the unknown for me. I had no idea where to even start with correcting my pain and whatnot and being able to just shoot you a text and be like, is this supposed to feel this way? Or (laughs) what should I be doing for this? Sending you videos. Am I doing this right? I find that so incredibly helpful. And my fitness journey was mostly self-taught, but once I did get into CrossFit, working with coaches, I did work with private trainers at times and now working with you, I definitely have a full appreciation for having somebody there to show you how to do it properly. Totally. Yeah, same. I was in the same boat with the CrossFit stuff, very self-taught, kind of proud of that. And Mm -hmm. then when I did get my injury and I started reading more and seeking help, completely leveled me up in so many ways, learning more about all these different things, kind of branching out from my comfort zone and branching out into some other areas. And it's, it's made me significantly more knowledgeable for my clients. And it's made my training significantly more fun than just going in there and destroying my body every day. Like the good old days. (laughs) It only lasts so long. Yeah, it really does. It's, it's just a ticking time bomb for pretty much anybody. I won't name any names, but at my gym, I have some, you know, I'm 37 now, mm-hmm. um, master's athlete, but I have a couple of guys at our gym that are, that are competitive, that are wanting to be competitive and they're my age and I'm not seeing them taking care of themselves the way they probably should. And what do they do? They come into the gym and they got KT tape on their lower back and on their knee yeah. and they're on the icy hot bio freeze. And that's, it's every day, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it smells like a, a hospital. It's like, you know, it's like this, like minty, like that shouldn't be the norm, but it is. And it's like this mindset of like, Oh, well that's, this is what it takes. And you know what? Take a year off, improve the quality of your joints, but uh, it's a hard sell. But the people, people that are going to buy that are the people that are going to, that are going to buy into that and are going to drink that Kool-Aid are going to have, a much happier 40s, 50s, 60s, or even even be able to be more competitive next year. You know, right. it's that backing off thing. I'm so happy I took this seriously. You know, like I'm, how old am I? I'm 30, right? And I took this seriously right at the end of my 20s because it just got to a point where it's like, what kind of quality of life do you want to live? And is everything that you're doing worth it? At the end of the day, I'd rather be able to lift for the rest of my life, hopefully, versus be in pain for the rest of my life and one day potentially be crippled by my pain. And you really have to think of the long game instead of thinking so short term. And it's that instant gratification piece that we've talked about where people, they want it now, 
and we don't want to wait. We don't want to push off our goals. We don't want to have to do that hard work that oftentimes doesn't, it doesn't show in the ways that we like it to show. It doesn't show in massive weight gains immediately or body recomposition immediately. You know, you have to push a lot of that off to refine your movement patterns, to refine your body, to heal your joints, to do all of that. And then you can get to like the sexy stuff that everyone loves. Right. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're describing the unsexy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> People hate the unsexy stuff. Yeah. But that's, that's that foundation. You got to lay those bricks with the unsexy stuff. As we get older, it's more and more important. Or if you have an injury, it's the most important thing. You begin to really appreciate it as you get older. I love the slow start to my workouts with the mobility stuff. I love my stretches, foam rolling, going for walks is my new shit. I love going for walks and just getting that movement in my body. And I live for it now. And back, back when I used to train in my twenties, I would have never appreciated those things. It was always like, I never warmed up. <laughs> I would, I would do some really crappy warm up just to say I did. And I would just try to hit it hard for like an hour and a half to two hours. Cause you want the, the sweat and the grit and the and the gross stuff that's the badge of honor. Yeah, if you're not laying on the floor, did you even work out? But I think hopefully you feel better now than you did back when you were doing that stuff. Overall. Significantly, Significantly yeah. better. My flare-ups are far and few between. When they do happen, just a huge mindset shift of, all right, you know what? Let's go back to flare-up protocol. It's not the end of the world. I do look for those positives like, oh, well, my flare-ups are happening less frequently. I remember thinking that with one of my flare-ups where I was like, you know what? Yeah, this could feel like a setback, but I'm pretty happy that it seems like the time between my flare-ups has really decreased and being able to appreciate that. I think that really helped and I just feel so much better now. And I have a lot more hope that I'm going to continue to be pain-free, which means I can go back to doing things I love. Like I can't wait to snatch again. I miss snatching. And I'm like, okay, one day I'm going to be able to do that again. Yeah, I felt the same. I felt like that for two years of missing the stuff that I really like to do and long two years of not doing it, but mm -hmm. it comes back. You have a mature mindset in that if something does happen, now you're able to really look at it. And like we talked about before, taking some positives from it. I think a lot of folks need some coaching on that. And that's why you're a great coach is that you maybe you didn't have that in your twenties, you have that now. And that's, a, that's very valuable. That's something that you can share with your clients that I, I feel like I have some of that too, that I can share with my clients is, Hey, like that your mindset is so important. Let's look at how to help your mindset, help you do this on your own. Cause I think that's really hard for a lot of folks. It's really hard to not to look at the ups instead of just feeling the downs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I deal with that all the time with nutrition coaching, right? Cause people want to be fixated on seeing weight loss or seeing their physical body change. And I'll be like, Hey, but guess what? You went out to eat and you didn't have a total mental spiral when you did it, or you were able to go on vacation and flexibly eat without tracking your food or anything like that. And that starts to shift people's mindsets when they're like, Hey, you're right. I did that. And that's so different from the person I used to be. And it takes a little bit to get people to appreciate the much smaller wins that come along the way, especially when they're not yielding the kind of results that they would prefer to see, right? Everyone wants the sexy results 
And we have to appreciate also the ones that are not as sexy, like, Hey, my flare-ups are far and few between that's, that's a good thing. Not only appreciate, but to recognize them, right. To even to be like, Oh shit, this is a win. That was a win. And then you're there to kind of show them that. Even the other day when my biggest win was, I was able to overhead press 20 pounds with a dumbbell. And I was like, yo, do you remember when I couldn't even do this at all? And I would have pain with 10 pounds. This is awesome. And I used to overhead press way heavier than that, but I am stoked just to be overhead pressing 20 pounds on a single arm with no pain. The little thing, oh, it's like these little, these little molehills that build up the mountain when it's like so hard to, to not look at the mountain that you're climbing, but it's these single steps. Yeah. From mindset perspective, I think that's what gets you through injury and gets you through any time that you feel like there's potential for setbacks. It's those little steps and trying to find little wins and what I call benchmark goals, where if you just shoot for something like really small and really attainable, you can celebrate that win. And then you can celebrate the next one. And those ones will add up to ultimately a bigger win down the line. And that's why people need to hire a coach because that's what we show them. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. From a nutrition perspective, did you switch anything up with your own nutrition during your rehab years? I did a little bit. I was in desperation mode. So I was trying anything that I thought could be inflammatory. I kind of reeled back on even nightshades. So tomatoes, peppers, was just really eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of clean, lean proteins. I, I definitely changed a little bit. Did it significantly help cutting out the inflammatory stuff? I'm not 100% sure, mm-hmm. uh, but it was, it was definitely part of the journey. Have you gone back to eating those foods? I have, yep. So they at least haven't negatively impacted you? No, no. I mean, I'm probably eating, I'm probably eating not as clean as I've ever eaten in my life and mm-hmm. pretty good, feeling great. I yeah. think nutrition plays a part with injury and with managing inflammation, but you definitely have to look at the physical aspects of it. I don't think changing your diet is really going to make or break your injury, but it can definitely help. It can. I would agree. It can definitely help, but it's it's not going to be the only thing. Right. Like we about, right? All this stuff is lifestyle stuff. At a certain point, when you're trying to become healthier, you're probably going to need to change a lot of parts of your life. One of them is for sure nutrition. One of them is the quality of your movement, the quality of your recovery, the quality of your stress, the quality of your sleep. These are all things that I think in our current society are overlooked and it's really hard for a lot of us to manage. And that's where I think that guidance comes in. For me, that was huge. The stress thing was definitely a contributor. Yeah, Yeah, we talked about that a lot. And I mean, as far as books go, I read... I think it was called Healing Back Pain by Dr. Sarno. And that book for me was, it's hard to judge the impact, but I, I think I remember bringing it up to you. And for me, I was wondering if stress or even trauma was contributing to my back pain. The thing with Sarno's approach is you have to let go of doing anything else that you think would potentially help your back pain and truly only work on the mental aspect. And I could not grasp that. I was like, no, I think I'm going to stick with doing the physical part, but I'm also going to work on 
my emotional well-being and my stress. When I reached out to you, I was in a pretty bad mental place and it didn't help that I was in a lot of pain, that I was finally pulling back from the kind of training that I loved and I felt really limited, but mentally I was just, I was shot. And over the past year, I've definitely done a lot of work on my own mental health. I've tried really hard to get my stress under control and my back is doing better. Now, what do I think is a contributor? I think it's everything that I've done. I think it's managing my stress. I think it's doing the mobilizing and pulling back when I've needed to following my program. It's a holistic approach. You have to tackle it from multiple angles. I agree completely. I don't think that just the stress or just the physical alone are going to fix everything. It's always this, this symbiotic kind of relationship between what's going on in our brain and what's going on with our joints. You triage, maybe one needs a little bit more focus than the other, but I would agree that they should both be focused on at the same time. I think nutrition is in with those as well. Big time. Absolutely. I mean, if you are eating like shit, like you're eating high inflammatory foods, that's obviously going to have an impact on your body's overall well-being. If you're not eating adequate nutrients, your body struggles to heal. It's not going to be as healthy. Your bones are not going to be as healthy. Your joints are not going to be as healthy, but it definitely plays its part. Like you said, it's holistic. It's lifestyle, our mindset. It's our outlook. It's our, what are we doing physically? What am I doing to recover? I think sometimes hearing that can sound a little overwhelming. But it's, it's not, it's just choosing to take care of yourself. Yeah. That simple. It feels overwhelming because of the lifestyles we live now in the society we live in. It prioritizes work and success over well-being. And so we have very little time to really focus on ourselves in that way. And then I think people put too much emphasis on certain pillars. Like a lot of people heavily rely on fitness as their sole way of taking care of themselves, but then they eat like crap. They don't sleep. They don't manage their stress. And then they wonder why they still feel super run down, why their fitness is not improving, why things aren't getting better. And it's because you're putting so much emphasis on only one of the pillars instead of all of them and trying to find this equal balance. You don't have to work out five to six days a week to be healthy. You really don't find two to three days that you can consistently move your body And then work on the other pillars and see what you can do just from an all around aspect. I was definitely in that boat. The fitness was my Mm -hmm. identity and my thing. When that was taken away or when I basically ended up taking that away from myself, it's like, oh shit, what do I do now? I have these other things. It's like, if, if one is taken away for any reason, it's like, Hey, at least I got some other stuff that makes me happy that I'm stoked on that I'm proud of. It's easy to, like you said, people fall into that trap of, fitness is the only thing I do to take care of myself where you mentioned before going for a walk feels good I don't even like to listen to music I'll go out and I'll walk around and just absorb what's going on with nature and stuff man Mm -hmm. that's good stuff very healthy (laughs) I suggest this to clients all the time take 10 minutes and just walk around your block if that's what it takes it's so little but like you said keep the headphones out don't listen to music don't listen to anything and finally be present in your life for once. It allows you to finally decompress from constantly being stimulated all the time. That's part of the injury thing too. I think people that are injured that are spending a lot of time on their phone or on the internet are a lot less happy than people that are injured that are 
focused on working on themselves. I fell into that trap. I was injured and I'm looking at what other people are doing, getting right. super out. How many minutes have I spent watching other people making myself more bummed when I could have spent that time walking or doing something healthy for myself? Sometimes unplugging and it's part of the, it's the lifestyle thing, spending some quality time with ourselves or quality time oh, unplugged. I've definitely come to appreciate those moments a lot more now. Is there anything else that you feel we haven't touched upon that you think people should know when it comes to working through injury, injury prevention, mindset? We've tackled a lot, but final words. Final words would be you're in control. There's something that I heard the other day that I really love. You deserve what you settle for. If you settle for being in pain or if you settle for Maybe whatever it is in life, that's a hard thing to hear. I like that, especially when it comes to being in pain, settling for accepting pain. There's ways out. There's people that are out there like you and myself that are literally, this is my life's work at this point, moving forward with this and helping people. There's people out there. So you deserve what you settle for. I love that. I love that. (laughs) That's a good final note. That's... That's a good place to finish. So with that, if listeners want to connect with you further, where can they find you? They can reach out on Instagram. They could reach out at my email. Cool. And I'll drop those in the show notes. Got your back coaching with a UR instead of your, and then I'll drop your email in the show notes. That way, if anyone wants to reach out, they can. Yeah. Here to help. Cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to listen to the Anti-Macro Podcast. I am so happy to be a part of your health journey. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You're now one step closer to ditching diet culture and finding real food freedom.